0: Protect Our Winners, Boot Pack Show, collab Podcast, Recording, Climate Change Panel. That was a mouthful. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the Boot Pack Show is the brainchild of Griffin Seaver, Pro Snowboarder, and I'm gonna leave it to Griff from here on out to introduce the rest of the panel. I wanna thank you all for coming here tonight on this rainy, rainy Saturday. Um, tonight we have like a pretty special Boot Pack Show. It's a little more serious than normal ones. I've never done a live one, so it's kinda crazy people watching me um, but we have a really cool panel of awesome human beings and we're going to discuss climate change it can kind of be a daunting topic these days um, but we're gonna attack it from all angles here we got the scientists we got some policy people we got pro snowboarder Olympian and then we got sustainability um, crusher from Woodward Park City and yeah so today we, this wouldn't be happening without Protect Our Winners. And I just want to thank them so much for giving us the power to do these awesome events and spread some awareness. And I'm going to read Pal's mission statement because a lot of people don't really understand what Protect Our Winners is. Um, this statement states it better than anything else. And Powell turns passionate outdoor people into effective climate advocates. And Powell leads a community of athletes, thought pioneers, and forward thinking business leaders to affect systematic solutions to climate change. But without further ado, I'll let everyone um, introduce themselves. So we'll start with Mackenzie.
1: Great. Uh, I am Mackenzie Skiles. I'm a, an assistant professor in the geography department at the University mm-hmm. of Utah. And I am a snow and climate scientist, so I study changing alpine environments. And
2: how snow is changing at high elevations. Okay. I'm uh, Kate Bowman. I work for a nonprofit organization called Utah Clean Energy. And um, Utah Clean Energy has been working for over 15 years to um, bring energy efficiency and clean energy here to Utah and to make it easier um, for homes and businesses to understand how to choose clean energy.
3: Awesome. Uh, my name is Sage Kotzenberg. I grew up in Parks City, Utah. I'm a professional snowboarder. Um, I went to the Olympics in 2014. I got gold there. Um, and then uh, other than that, snowboard a lot and uh, now I work with Protect Our Winners pretty closely and uh, always trying to better myself. Sweet. And Laura?
4: No big deal to follow a gold medalist. <laughs> <laughs> totally cool. Um, I'm Laura Schaefer and I have the good fortune of heading up sustainability for powder. Powder is Headquartered in Park City, and we own a number of areas across the U.S. and we're learning experiences too, including the Woodward Park City that you see just right off the of highway when you're driving out to Park City.
0: And sweet. So we'll start with uh, Mackenzie. Just kind of describe your research, like more in depth, and um, what you do in the big picture, and why it ties into climate change.
1: Certainly. So. Um, one of the things that I sort of focus on, and it's a good sort of central point, is uh, how, much, how much water actually gets deposited as snow in the mountains. And the reason why I sort of focus on hydrology is because 80% of our water comes from snow, especially here in Salt Lake. And so it's important to monitor how that's changing over time, but then that also ties directly back into climate um, and snow patterns over time. So. Uh, Just to tell you some of what we know now is uh, the climate has definitely been warming one degree C over pre-industrial times is what we're at right now. Um, It's closely related to this rapid increase in fossil fuels that we've seen um, since, uh, since we went through the industrial revolution and the impact that that's having on snow is that Um, More precipitation is falling as rain, which means that snow lines are rising. Um, And we're also getting earlier melt um, and combined that leads to um, earlier reduction in snow cover and less total snow volume. Um, So that impacts climate, less snow cover um, also feeds back into climate because snow itself is very reflective. Um, It impacts our water resources. Uh, It impacts our natural systems. And then, obviously, snow is an economic backbone for a lot of communities in the Western US around the world. Um, and so it's impacting human systems as well.
0: Awesome. And um, Sage, could you talk about some changes you've seen personally in the field as an athlete? And if you notice anything different?
3: Yeah, totally. I mean, when, and I think this goes back to me and you growing up snowboarding together, which was really awesome. But you know the winters were a lot more consistent. And, Today's time, you they're a lot more sporadic. It's like Montana's about to get four feet of snow right now. You know, we get earlier and earlier, um, kind of like extreme, like dustings here and whatnot, and it's it's kind of becoming more sporadic. And you see it in the winter time a lot because some places that you can kind of always bank on just having a good winter, they aren't those. They they don't have that anymore. It's you can't really rely on that and as someone that's going to go travel all the time, I started looking at that and started thinking, like, okay, well, instead of just sitting around and saying, why, why you know, do, do some research and, you know, I, we get to listen to people like Mackenzie here and actually, you know, they're doing all the studies that, and all you have to do is really read that to understand it and so, that was, that's basically how I'm here now is, you know, noticing a change and knowing I couldn't sit back and just, and just sit and watch and let it happen, you know? Sure. Do something about it. Yeah.
0: Action. Um, and especially this ties into you, Laura, uh, powder oversees 15 ski resorts in North America. And especially with the new development in park city, uh, 70% of park city's economy depends on winter recreation. So 70% of Park city's economy depends on the climate, not getting too warm because that'll produce rains to the snow. And how does this impact like the challenge to your operation and, the mountain resort as you combat the issue. Yeah,
4: right, no pressure, right. So, <laughs> no pressure. So, none at all. So, um, you know, powder has long, has a history, sorry if this is funky, I'm too much. It <laughs> <laughs> um, has a long history of being committed to the environment, and um, when climate change really started to be noticeably real back in the early 2000s, we commissioned a study uh, that was right around 2005 that showed a lot of the similar um, takeaways that Mackenzie spoke, to, spoke about earlier. And so for us, um, we know that you know not only do we lose part of the species, and that will have a significant impact on the business, it will have a significant impact on the employees, and then ultimately a significant impact on the community. So it's really important to us to understand what our relationship is there and understand what our responsibility is there. You know, the bottom line is that we think people are at their best when they're able to live a life full of adventure and so we do feel like we have a responsibility there so looking at our operations to find the efficiencies that we ought to find and then inspiring our guests and then also advocating, um, you know, when it comes to climate policy and and trying to find the solutions there.
0: Sure, and it's also tricky because Woodward. We just discussed this earlier, but it lies pretty low elevation compared to most resorts in Salt Lake around the Salt Lake area, and it's just nailed nailed the coffin of why it's so important for you guys. I feel as you move forward. Right,
4: right, exactly. I mean, you know, Woodward's it's the base is right about 6,400 feet, and the peak is 6,800, um, and so. Absolutely, as we look at at the data moving forward, it's something that we took into account as we built it, and we understand there will be snowmaking, and we also understand that we need to be responsible in our build, too, so we can use as few resources as possible to get as many people out there.
1: Yeah, so I'll, just, I'll yes. just jump in here. It's something that we keep referring to this thing we were looking at, and it's, yeah. a, it's a figure that shows um, as warming increases um, by increments of 1 degree C up to 4 degrees C, um, how much precipitation is more likely to fall as rain rather than snow. Um, and you can imagine that it just keeps creeping up in elevation, and by the time we hit 3 degrees C, Woodward Park City is, is totally out of the snow zone. Um, And right now, if nothing changes with emissions, we're on track to almost 4 degrees C in the next 100 years. And the Paris Agreement is actually trying to limit that to 2 degrees C, um, which would get more snow for Woodward Park City.
0: (laughs) And 2 degrees C is even extreme complications, right? Like irreversible change.
1: Yeah, we actually, it would be even better to limit it to 1.5 degrees C, which is only 0.5 degrees C above where we are right now.
0: Scary. Um, and then this also can lead into K, with Utah Clean Energy, it's a non-profit organization founded in 2001, um, basically to help Utah get off coal and gas, which we are famous for as our energy consumption and just talk about that with with the advanced goals and everything you guys got going over there
2: yeah definitely um so when you look at um where carbon dioxide emissions are coming from here in utah electricity makes up a really large portion of our overall carbon footprint and so um addressing electricity and where we get our energy from is a really critical first step to address climate change um and the, the good news is that um, you know it's a really it's a big part of our emissions, and so it's a really big opportunity. If we can transition to renewable energy, um, then we can have a really significant impact. Um, there's lots of things that um, you know, it's a, climate change is a really complicated problem to solve. There's a lot of different um, things that we need to do, but but electricity is one place where we can have a really big impact and really quickly um, if we kind of can accelerate that transition to renewable energy resources and the price of um, wind and solar is lower than it ever has been before and actually wind and solar are the cheapest new energy resources that you can purchase right now and um, the cost of battery storage is falling quickly as well. So it's a really exciting time and there's a lot of opportunities that we have to um, kind of accelerate that transition to clean energy. It's cheap
0: and cleaner. Sounds better to me. What's not to love? um and then this can kind of segue into the utah 100 percent campaign which you are probably very well informed on so if you could inform the great crowd on what's going on locally here
2: yeah um so there's a really exciting initiative underway here in utah and as far as i know um utah is the first state where we've had something like this um so this past um, winter a bill was passed that allows a local government here in Utah to work with our utility Rocky Mountain Power to pursue um, a renewable energy goal. So a a local community um, can set their own renewable energy goal and then actually work with the utility to get the resources, um, the the renewable resources that they need to meet that goal. So we have um, several local governments here in Utah that have set the goal to be 100% renewable energy, um, 100% net renewable electricity for their entire community by 2030. And so, um, if you, raise your hand if if you live in Salt Lake City or Summit County. How many people? Awesome. Lots of people. Um, So, um, Salt Lake City, Summit County, Park City, Moab um, have, been working on this for a while they've had clean energy goals for a while and um, other communities still have the opportunity to set their own goal and kind of become part of this program by the end of the year so if you're not in one of those communities um, there's still time to opt in and what will happen is that um, if you live or work in any of those cities um, the your city will work with rocky mountain power to procure Renewable energy resources on your behalf, um, and you don't have to do anything. Um, so over time, they'll um, buy wind and solar resources sufficient to meet 100% of the community's needs by 2030. Um, so it's a really, um, it's like I said, different from um, anything else that I've, you know, that I've seen across the country, and um, it's really exciting because it's a path forward for. Um, you know, for you as a resident to um, access clean energy in a really simple, easy way. It's
0: really cool to me too because you take Rocky Mountain Power, you can be kind of like a monopoly. And, I mean, when I think of Rocky Mountain Power, I think of like oil Mm -hmm. refineries, gas, coal. And it's cool that they're willing to like work with it to meet meet this common goal. Yeah. And I think my my main question is probably how everyone is, it's like, so for my house, for example, I'm in Salt Lake. Mm -hmm. So I just pay power, I don't even know. There's a 7% increase, possibly, in the price of power for your
2: house? So through the program? Yeah. Um, potentially, that's kind of, the details of it still have to be worked out. We're kind of in the early stages of it, so um, we won't we won't know until sometime next year sort of what, if there's going to be a price increase, what that might look like. Um, anyone who doesn't want to participate can opt out of the program, but by default, you're opted in and um, the, the details of what your electric bill will look like are going to be worked out over the next um, year or so but um, you to become part of the program you won't have to do anything. I love that. Yeah. You just let it flow. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Sounds great to me. And then eventually it should become cheaper right? as more infrastructure gets built, more solar farms.
2: And yeah. And I think you know if, if you look at what we really need to do to address climate change, um, the the cost associated with continuing to rely on fossil fuel resources and the risk that that brings, um, and when you really account for those costs as well, um, renewable energy is, um, like I said, the price of you know wind and solar is so low right now, and um, there's no fuel prices. So when you build a solar farm, you know exactly what your energy prices are going to be for the next 25 years. Um, you don't have to buy fuel. You're not. Um, Going to worry about you know international events that might cause fuel prices to spike, um, so it's really you know you're um, accessing low-cost resources, but also you're um, you're getting rid of some of the risk associated with energy use over time.
0: Sweet, and then this probably ties into you, you know a little bit more. I know it's more geology, but lithium is also a rare source of like mining, right? So if we got to watch it in that form too. And I know. Utah in general has high potential for geothermal energy. Do you guys know anything? I
1: don't, I don't know how much Rocky Mountain Power can, yeah. can tap into or what their future plans look like for, for renewable
5: yeah.
1: sources. Um, but we have, a, we're, we have really great access to a number of sources. Yeah. Geothermal, we're great for solar. We have really high potential for solar across a lot of the state and wind. So yeah. we're kind of set up in the right spot for all of those.
0: Sweet. Yeah. There's hope in the future. Um, and Laura, as a member of Protect Our Winters and the Board of Directors, do you have any hope of action and climate from our lawmakers here in Utah and federal?
4: Well, I think every voice counts, right? And that is one of the huge reasons why I um, got involved with Protect Our Winters because I think as an organization, they really understand that every voice counts and that it really will be moving the needle on the margin. I think Utah is actually one of those examples. Um, we have some great success stories, right, with youth um, bringing bringing topics to the table that really needed to be brought to the table. And so, you know, I do really believe that the more that we have both individuals and business leaders um, bringing up the importance of addressing climate um, and climate change, the, the you know the better off we'll all be. And so. I absolutely do feel like there's a role that everyone plays, and that you know the more that we can work together, the faster that we're going to be able to um, you know hit all these numbers that we're talking about. Definitely, work together. It doesn't matter what side of the party you're on. Yes. We need to. Absolutely, absolutely. No, this is this is not a you know political. This is not a party thing. This is this is if we you know want to venture, and obviously everything beyond that. This is something that we really do need to to work
0: together on. And me and Laura went to D.C. last year and met with a couple Republicans that were in the books against climate change. When we actually met with them, I was very surprised about how they acted and they were on it, but it's more like the finer details of funding. They were scared to lose funding, scared to stick their neck out there. Absolutely, and I think that's
4: a really good point because I do remember us talking about how encouraged we were by understanding that there is a recognition that this is real because if if that if that's where everyone is then you know really finding those solutions and understanding we have got to get some out on the table to then agree to get to a point great let's do that
0: yeah an example of speaking out uh me and sage were talking earlier is in 2014 i didn't know you did this but pal uh, looked it up for me yeah. But you and a hundred other Olympians signed on a statement calling for all world leaders to recognize climate change and signing on to the Paris Accord. And recently, the FIS is now fully renewable.
3: There are, I think there's stride there. Well, basically, so where this all goes to is uh, this winter, um, as the World Cup or the World Champions was going on in Park City, uh, the president of the FIS came out, Gianfranco Casper, I think is his name, um, and he denied climate change and it was in this huge public thing. And there's a major uproar. And I was one of the ones, I was, I was calling people at the event, like, what do you guys, you guys are at a FIS event and this guy's like denying climate change. And like, what are you gonna do about it, you know? And everyone's like, well, I don't know, my team's here. I'm like, this is bigger than your team. This is bigger than the event. Like, you you know, something needs to happen. And And now you can see them going through the steps takes and they're striving to like, you know, be, be renewable, um, support it all. And I mean, how many voices did it really take a couple pro athletes, you know, to say this is wrong. You guys should be doing better for all of us because this all, we're all in this together. I mean, winter is in the winter Olympics. It's literally in the title of it, you know, (laughs) it's like, do you guys want to help out or not, or at least be there during all this. So it just goes to show that your voice does matter, whether it's one person, or a hundred you know it's like don't just think that you're alone in all of it and you can really make some big stuff happen. Definitely, it's awesome. And
0: And your voice is very powerful for all the 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 young humans out there. Um, (laughs) And Kate, what's it been like to work in the clean energy climate realm in Utah?
2: Um, You know it's I think it's a really exciting time right now because there are um, so many changes underway and um, I think the conversation around climate is really changing to where more people understand um, what the problem is and you know what they personally can do about it and then also you know what we need to do about it um, as a society to really have an impact and move forward and I think um, so we're starting to have better conversations about the solutions which is where, where we need to be um, and you know just seeing the changes I've been with Utah Clean Energy um, since about since twenty thirteen and um, solar at that point I didn't know anyone who had solar on their roof it was a lot more expensive um, I don't think you know m- anyone I worked with knew anyone who had solar on their roof except for maybe in a you know a cabin off grid somewhere um, and you know you you look around um, now and that's totally changed the cost of solar has just come down so much over the last um, five years that it's um, it's it's really changing what is um, the solutions that are available to us and um, the opportunities that are available to us. So it's you know a, a time when we we have a lot of opportunities to um, really make changes and make a difference. Sweet.
0: And then this also rolls into um, yourself, Mackenzie, because you were talking to me how you have a new study plot locally here in Little Cottonwood, and uh, if you want to talk.
1: Yeah. Sure. I. Uh, you know, I'm, I guess I should say I have a personal connection to Utah. I didn't grow up here, but I did my undergrad here and then left to get my PhD and came back as soon as I could afterwards because this is really where I wanted to be studying snow processes. And so we've put in a new study plot, It's actually uh, a very old study plot, Atwater study plot, it's one of the oldest in the country, um, but it was not being upkept. And so we put some new instrumentation up there. And one of the things we're studying up there, I, I kind of just want to make the point that the changes that we're seeing now aren't just due to increasing temperatures. It's never really that simple. Humans are having impacts all over the place. And one of the things that we're studying at the study plot is uh, how dust deposition is impacting snowmelt. So with humans, we like to change our landscape. Uh, that leads to surface disturbance, and surface disturbance leads to more dust. Um, and I would just like to see maybe a raise of hands for people that ski in here. How many people have skied on dirty snow, dusty snow? Yeah, so it's out there. And when snow gets darker, it melts faster. And this plays a role in these patterns that we're seeing of snow going away uh, sooner. Um, we're also studying how precipitation is shifting um, and midwinter melt events. These are all really important parts of the snow processes. So we can better understand how snow is changing here in the Wasatch.
0: And what you remember you talking to me about aerosols on the snow. What are an example? I know like dust from the Great Salt Lake could be a Mm -hmm. problem, but some other examples. Yeah,
1: another example that we see here is something called black carbon or more commonly called soot. Um, And we get soot uh, a lot at lower elevations. So it's related really strongly to the inversion. So we get a lot of deposition of dark aerosols from industries here and up at the higher elevation, it tends to be more mineral dust that we are getting from the Great Salt Lake and farther sources uh, south and southern Utah. More red dust. Okay. Yeah.
0: Sweet. And um, I mean, with all this data, stage, this leads into like why you want to speak out about this issue. And the one thing we are talking about is how could we, as professional athletes, try and mitigate these things by like I mean, we have to wear new product we have to travel. I mean, snowmobiles are definitely a big part of your career, and
3: that's yeah. kind of how it is. Well, yeah, and that's how, basically, how I came on to Protect Our Winners, and, and started being way more outspoken about all this, was that me and Griffin actually had this chat a couple of years ago, and he said, like, you should really be on with Protect Our Winners. I think you'd be a good advocate, and I, and I think that you could learn a lot. I said, Griffin, I don't really know if that's me because i i don't know enough and i'm not doing enough to be a part of this and he was like no no that's where it's all wrong is that you can be doing all these things you just need to take those steps to get there and so you're always trying to be better you're always trying to strive to be better and since then i've always looked at myself and go okay what can i what can i personally do to um make less of an impact and then what can i do to tell other people? i have a great platform on social media and kind of walk with them not say Hey, I'm perfect. Like I'm doing this, and I'm I'm better than you because there's so many things that I'm personally working on. But saying, hey, I've been doing this, and I've been finding it a lot easier. Like you guys should try this too. You know, whether it's in your diet, whether it's less traveling, whether it's this and that, you can do personal things, and you can also do things on a political level with who you vote for. You know, and it's like it's all those things combined is getting. You know, they always say like a million people striving to be better is better than one person working perfectly. And I think that's like that hit home for me where it's kind of an ever end, like never ending process to be better. You know? It's not like tomorrow can just be perfect and and everything's all good for the rest of the world. It's like all of us trying to be better and then the world can actually, you know, get behind it and, and maybe we'll see a difference, you know. Totally. And your voice is
0: powerful, especially with even the connections you have with, like, the companies you write for. They're going to listen to you more than
3: someone else. Yeah, 100%. I've been having a lot of those conversations with companies of, like, okay, what can we do? Or, like, what are some cool causes we can get behind? Let's do, like, a recycled goggle or this and that. And, like, just opening up that dialogue, that gets everyone in the company started going, well, yeah, that'd actually be really cool. And, you know, they, they, they love it. You know, they want to hear it. But if you're not going to present it to them, they'll never change much like everything in life if you don't present something that's worth it like no one's going to change really you know mm-hmm. definitely it's a double-edged sword but yeah, yeah. And, and totally and so and to go on that like i definitely have and i think a lot of athletes or you know riders whatever you want to say are super nervous to talk about out about it but because of the repercussions like, oh you travel and this and that and um you have to be ready for that because yeah we to- we totally do but you have to have some sort of uh like i'm trying to change too like i'm trying to not travel as much i'm not trying to do this like i you know do not eat meat anymore you know you have to have all these things that you can actually you know you gotta talk, you you to walk the walk if you're going to talk to talk but opening up the dialogue with my followers has almost been the coolest thing because i've had people be like i saw you posted this and i i did a lot of research you know and i feel I feel a lot better, you know, like not eating meat and stuff, and you know, I, I think that's really rad because I have a personal connection with a a guy who's a fan of me, you know, and totally. we we kind of connect on a different level now. So it's awesome. It's it's rad, and I think if you're not in like an attacking mode of you thinking you're perfect, because by no means do I think I'm no. I'm perfect at all. Like I literally every day, like man, I could be doing so much better, you no, know. Totally. But opening up that dialogue and, and sharing it with people and saying like. I wanna get I wanna get to this point. You should try to too. We could like do this together. And it's fun. And awesome
0: ideas. I, I treat it like a game. I think on an individual level, I mean I'm always trying to like I'm not I'm not perfect either, but I play a game with It's like how much plastic can I little use per yeah. For how much and these individual things are awesome and even I've been doing stuff with Save Our Canyons, all of you guys should should come up. We go up to Brighton they um, did one in Mill Creek this morning, but we go up and we just pick up trash, and you'd be surprised, like, how much fun it is. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, I want to do that. It seems crazy. But even little kids, it's like, it ends up being fun, but then you realize how, it's like, you should treat our, our places with love. But also that just doing things on an individual level maybe is not going to make a huge change. We need to also speak out on a political level to make the huge changes happen. and with Protect Our Winners, I think their goal is to like, kind of go towards the richer investors, go towards the high political power, to try and make these things happen. And Laura could probably fill us in on like, what opportunities do you see with powder as a corporation and other businesses to connect with guests on climate change and policy? Yeah,
4: right, well I was just gonna say, I mean, I think there's a huge parallel with what Sage was saying about um, how it's easy you know, for athletes to sort of hesitate to speak out, I think there's a huge parallel of businesses where it is so easy to get paralyzed because you feel like you don't have your house completely in order. And so until your house is completely in order, then you can't speak out. And so I think the concept of progress, not perfection, is so applicable here. And I think for a business, that is sort of one of the first things that they start and they have to be comfortable with. And understand that yes, you do have to be doing the work to get your house in order, whether it's a trash pickup or um, you know looking at bringing solar online in your operations. Um, and at the same time that you're doing that, you can look to engage with your guests and help them understand where the advocacy opportunities are, and use your business voice to really be able to try to influence climate policy where possible. So I think. You know, I think for us, because we do have resorts and world experiences all across the U.S., we um, really do feel like there's an opportunity to try to engage with our guests and then have both them and us try to influence locally, um, both locally and state to the point of you know, is there opportunity working with a Utah now? Um, really trying to have have our our. Community, um, you know, engage and become advocates where they can. But just to go back to sort of the like, basic there, we had to be comfortable. Powder has long as this long history of of really prioritizing care for the environment, it, it's still very hard for us to be totally comfortable to go out and speak up. And so it's a journey, and I think acknowledging that fact is really important. And then also really acknowledging this, it's it's all about making progress and. We're not ever going to be perfect in this so let's let's work on it together and and go after it I think there are tons of opportunities there. The last thing I'll add really quickly is that I do believe that we are really in a unique position in the ski industry specifically Um, and um, because this is an industry where it's fun and it's sexy and people are happy and enjoying life and so I think that there is a big opportunity to bring up this conversation about climate change in a way that people can relate to because they are there because they are having fun and um, they most likely will want to continue to have fun, right? Like if you're having fun, usually you don't want to stop having fun. And so I do think that we have a unique opportunity there to really, um, to, to bring the conversation to the table in a way that isn't too um, gloom and doom or, Scientific, which is hugely important. We need that. Uh, but in terms of really incorporating, like for us, we, we have this commitment to playing forever. And um, we educate our kids in, in ski and snowboard schools um, all about playing forever. And they learn about how to recycle through little aliens called lazy. And, you know, it, that's the way that that, that education there is a huge, important piece of it. And then you Know the connection with their parents and having them have a voice um, as we try really to drive that systemic change ultimately that we're working toward is super important.
0: Sweet, and um, you can probably jot down I mean, we're seeing drastic change. I wouldn't picture like 10 years ago Salt Lake even proposing this 100% thing, and especially in Park City, they're supposed to be fully renewable by 2022.
4: Is that correct? Yeah, it's, a, it's per city city operations um, will be fully renewable. So just the, public really the community by twenty thirty. Okay. Yeah.
0: So they're still on the same program as like Salt Lake with yep. the actual the homes, homes mm-hmm. as renewable. It's awesome. And yeah, and then with in the science world, I mean I went to the U and I got climate change drilled into my brain like since day one. Have you seen any major changes? I mean the science has been there for super long, but are more scientists willing to like stick their neck out there?
1: Yeah, I think that it's it's, it's an interesting time because in the science world, we're all in agreement. There's consensus. 99% of climate scientists believe climate is changing, it's warming, and it's human-caused. Uh, but then you kind of go outside our little bubble and you look at media reports and that somehow, somehow science has become an opinion. And it's not an opinion. We know what's happening and we know how quickly it's changing. Um, and I think that, you know, we're in this too as scientists. We uh, have, have families and children and, and we want them to have the lives that we've enjoyed. And so it's time to, to speak out. And who better to speak out than the people who are actually studying it? So I think. More and more um, people are emerging from sort of this ivory tower. We're not just handing data out and saying, okay, interpret it, do something with it. Uh, we're more willing to come out and actually speak out and advocate uh, for the science itself.
0: Yell it out loud. Yes. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'll open it up to any questions from the audience. I want to thank all these awesome humans for <laughs>
2: Yeah, I think um, something that we're, I think is really important to focus on as we make this transition to renewable energy is to make sure that um, we do look for opportunities to keep costs low and then also think about how, um, you know, if we see cost increases, especially in the short term, how that impacts the people who are the least able to pay those, those costs and how, um, you know, who are already struggling to pay their utility bills. So I think that's a really important consideration that we do need to kind of keep a focus on as we make this transition. Um, And uh, I think the program you mentioned, Rocky Mountain Power, Utah's main utility, has a couple different programs already where you can purchase um, renewable energy in some form um, through an added fee on your bill. And um, in some cases, you're purchasing actual power from um, what's called their subscriber solar farm. And then you can also purchase um, what are called renewable energy certificates, which is sort of a, it's like a tag certifying that electricity was um, produced from a renewable resource, but you're not actually getting the energy. So there's these different options that are, you know, some are kind of better than others if you're really looking to make sure your um, bill is offset by renewable energy, and and I think what we need is something, it's it's totally different um, than these sort of additive, um, where you're paying a fee to bring a new resource online, but it's not necessarily, Um, In your community, it's not necessarily um, even powering your, kind of putting electricity into the grid where you're using it. So, you know, I think it's a a big challenge to figure out how to make this transition as quickly as the science tells us that we need to. um, And still make it, you know, affordable and make sure that we do still have access to affordable energy. Um, We have some of the lowest utility bills in the country here in Utah. Um, which is a great draw for you know people who live here for businesses who want to locate here. So I think that's something um, that we do really need to keep a close eye on but um, the fact that these resources, you know wind and solar are um, Becoming so affordable and as we see battery prices start to fall, I mean that that will definitely help.
0: So it'll eventually go lower as, as more infrastructure right, is built and then hopefully the price increase will Staggered down. Yeah, and you can't change just like that, right? And something.
2: we don't we don't know, you know, what the price increases will be, or or if they will be, um, or if it'll be, you know, more expensive than some of the existing programs where you're getting something similar or less. Um, that's all still sort of to be determined, and um, it depends on what resources the cities choose to buy, and so um, they'll be, um, you know, evaluating resources based on what you know, what, what is the most cost-effective resource out there and, um, and, you know, with the prices for solar and even solar paired with battery storage that we're seeing, we know those prices um, are going, it's going to be affordable. Um, it's just kind of how, how quickly do we need to make that transition and that's where you start to see um, see costs, but I think, you know, in the long run, um, in the long run you, you are getting rid of a lot of risk and a lot of price volatility as well.
0: Any other questions? Do
5: upstairs?
0: In our
4: daily contacts with friends and family, we come in contact with climate deniers. So they will
1: Yeah, that is a great question and that is something I hear all the time. The way to combat that is to, is to recognize that, sure, the climate has always changed, but it's always been changing within a set sort of envelope. And those changes have happened over very long time scales. Longer than we would be able to recognize in our lifetimes. So that what's different now is the rate at which it's changing. So our, our fossil fuels, our CO2 in the atmosphere, and our temperature are increasing faster than we've ever seen um, in any of our climate records. So we can go back and look at ice cores, and coral cores, and soil cores, and all these, and reconstruct past climates. Um, and we've never seen this rate of change. So the change is happening over our lifetimes, over the last 30 years, and that is what's unprecedented.
0: Our lifetime's like a blink of an eye. Yeah. There is life.
4: The other thing if I can add to that really quickly, and this sort of ties into what I was saying earlier about the ski industry, but the other thing that um, we've seen love with is finding whatever the connection. It's moving totally away from the bullet point, but it's finding whatever the connection um, that that they have, that that some something that that they're seeing that is being affected by kind of climate change. That so you know not necessarily the obvious, um, you know science behind it, but again, for to just use a very simple example, the skiing and, you know, seasons have been different and there's a reason behind that. And so if this person happens to be a skier, then connecting on that. That's the most simple, obvious example in the world <laughs> with this crowd, but, um, you know, I think really understanding that person has really helped um, then be able to further the conversation and go from there.
0: It's like that cartoon, have you seen the cartoon of the guy at the climate? Meeting, and he's like, But what if we make the world cleaner and healthier for no reason? Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
6: yeah. exactly.
4: Uh,
0: another question.
6: Yeah, I, uh, this is so complex, isn't it? Because like, you solve part of a problem and you create another one. Definitely. Because we make the cost of electricity go down here, the cost of your solar, etc., go down, which draws more people, which creates more soot, which melts the snow faster. So, I don't know how you guys can address that, because right now it's a small pot. No matter how much we agree with you, we do, at least I do, the deniers out there are pretty strong and powerful. But so what I'm seeing for the first time, like yourself, Sean, right? Say, um, Sage.
3: Sage? Sage. Sean White's the other guy. guy. Yes. He's got that. <laughs> yeah.
6: But to see athletes do that, that's a very powerful voice. Totally. Do you have counterparts in other sports? For example, climates affecting surface before Beach, or yeah. in Phoenix, etc. Is that happening anywhere else, or am I just hearing this from the from the snow crowd? And this is the extent of it. That's the first part. I mean, that's
0: it's all over. I know personally, like the World Cup of soccer. I mean, they also had they're having it in Qatar. It? Qatar. It's like too hot for them to even play. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But that's also like the area that's of the world. Have an
6: Businesses, mm-hmm. I don't trust. Yeah. I don't. I mean, they're. Gonna Personalities and stuff will drive it. But then it becomes how far do I have to drive it? Because this is a science question. How many people have to affect change across the board in the United States or across the globe to stop it at 1.5?
1: I I mean, I think that we we have the answers to that uh, from the scientific community. There was recently um, a report issued by the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change focusing specifically on this 1.5 degree C question and there's a number of emission pathways to, to get us there, but the thing about that is that governments have to agree to those. Um, and so it's like get, get involved for this large systematic change and, and convince our law- lawmakers to stay and keep, Paris, keep in the Paris Agreement. And I think a lot of that is is getting involved for not just our personal changes, but large systematic change. So vote for the people that are gonna keep us in Paris. Vote for the people that are gonna put laws into effect to to get us on those emission trajectories that will keep us below 1.5 degrees C.
0: And my, my, I mean, it's not my favorite, I don't, climate change is a brutal issue, but we, the only way to solve it is we all gonna have to work together no matter your race, creed, or color. Like, this is the biggest issue humans have faced. And, Uh, We all have to come together and there's no real answer, I think. True. Another
6: question?
0: Yeah. Hey, (laughs) (laughs) Shane?
5: I'm just thinking about how amazing it is that Salt Lake passed this 100% renewable goal at all, because obviously you guys have major resistance politically, rock mountain power, I'm sure are not super excited about it. And so you're talking about how the most impactful thing you do is get involved local politics helped change that way. How did you guys get this passed or who, what was the actual step-by-step to get past all this thing?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I wasn't um, kind of personally involved in, in passing the legislation. That was something that um, the cities worked with, Rocky Mountain Power with the utility um, to kind of introduce and um, and to pass it. But I think um, that, you um, the the leadership from, you know, from local governments, from athletes, from, you know, people out in the community, from companies is, on climate, is really starting to change the conversation. And I think um, that uh, our utility, you know, knows that people want um, access to clean energy. And so I think, you know, the, um, everybody individually Mm -hmm. kind of speaking up and, and demanding clean energy makes it really apparent that that's, it's it's something that the utility has to provide and it's something that people are asking for and want. And so, you know, I think that um, the, all of those kind of individual um, actions collectively are um, helping to drive change at the local government level and, and hopefully at the federal government level as well. Um, and so, um, yeah, that bill, it was something that the utility and the cities worked on together to come up with um, a pathway where the cities could work with the utility to um, procure renewable energy and, you know, they're both on board and um, working together to help the cities reach reach that goal. Um, and ultimately working with the utility is, you know, for the cities one of the fastest, it's the fastest way um, to reach that goal in the most efficient way.
4: And Kate, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think there was kind of the groundswell of demand for the communities in Park City and Summit County and Boab and Salt Lake and then their cities all started working together. So I think that was kind of a unique model here, and they all worked together to work with Rocky Mountain Power to reach this.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And the cities, um, each um, Salt Lake City, Park City, Moab, each passed their own 100%, um, both a kind of a carbon emissions reductions goal and 100% renewable electricity goals, um, and went to the utility and said, you know, we have this goal we need to work together to get there, um, and, and what are we going to do? So, so what did,
5: did they just go to local city council meetings? Did they like lobby? Sorry, um, did they, you know, people in these local communities are saying groundswell kind of created this goal, right? Who, like, what is an actionable step? If you're actually trying to get involved in your local community. Like where do you go, who do you talk to to try to push this step?
2: Yeah. So the um, the 100 goals were set that, that the cities have set are set by um, the city council and or the mayor or the city council and the mayor jointly in some cases. Um, so you can go to your local city council person, to your mayor, um, and say, you know, I'm, this is something I'm concerned about. What are we what are we doing to address it, um, and what can we be doing, and, and start that conversation.
0: Yeah. Especially in, here in Salt Lake, our local mayor uh, was getting voted for this fall. So. I feel like just voting, uh, the mayor to me is the most, like that's gonna impact you the most out of any of your votes, in my opinion, but. Uh, just a clarification: like Sandy, the city of Sandy, is that
4: Salt Lake or is that a
2: separate um, Sandy is a separate city. So um, it's just Salt Lake City um, at this point. Um, yeah, So, so Salt Lake City, the boundary is about Twenty um, seventh South. So Sandy, um, other you know Draper, other cities around there are are not part of Salt Lake City. Colwood Heights, right? Is it? Yeah, and it's important to know that if other cities want to opt in, and I know a lot of um, cities are city councils are thinking about it and have been having conversations, and um, have uh, we've been talking to city councils that are trying to figure out how this works. Um, but a city that wants to participate has to pass an ordinance by the end of 2019 in order to kind of join the program and move forward. Um, it doesn't necessarily commit you to being part of the program. There's still an opportunity to kind of see um, how the prices turn out and just make the decision whether you wanna go forward with that. But um, a city, any city that doesn't pass a resolution by the end of the year cannot participate in this program going forward. So um, there's you know, still time for other cities to join on.
5: It ties into your question too, like if that's such a drastic price
0: increase, you can just not pay it, but then it also helps knowing that the city buildings are all unrenewable and we're starting to go in that direction. I think that's like the goal with it to not like drastically. Yeah, absolutely.
2: It. I mean, if you, you know, you could install solar panels on your house yourself if you own the house um, and you have the upfront, you know, money to put on the solar panels, but this is just so much um, simpler and easier. Um and and you know the cost is something the cities are are focusing on and um, you know the goal of this program is to be is to be successful and um, so um, it's something that they're you know definitely working to um, make sure that you know we can procure resources in steps for example um, so that you're not hit with a huge cost increase. Any
6: other questions? We I got have eight minutes. I have a question. Uh, this may be, I think. Yeah. So, we all uh, want to get out in the mountains early, and we know that uh, we're talking about snow all the time. And so, the resorts are blowing snow constantly. I really don't understand uh, the whole realm, even being in Park City for 23 years. Uh, Park City, how they, they have, I guess, limited amount of water they can take out of the ground. And my, and my question is, is that being replaced by our snowpack yearly? How's that affect? Is that, and maybe you can answer the question about, we're blowing snow all around here because we want to get on the map right the way. Um, <laughs> yeah. Is it being replaced, what they're doing.
1: So I, I yeah no, it's a great question and I don't know that, that anyone has done this like uh, source to sink attributions.
0: I was, study, I was but actually going to do this for my yeah. research project with yeah. Gabe Bowen at the U but yeah but,
1: but in theory right <laughs> <laughs> maybe you need to come back <laughs> in theory what happens right is um, they have usually a water making pond and that's fed through a, some certain amount of water is allocated to them and then they're, they're making snow with that. And then that snow runs wa- off it, in that same watershed. Um, so how much goes into the ground and gets, becomes groundwater and how much actually runs off as surface water and goes back into the pond, I don't think we know those exact ratios, but um, we know more about what's happening with that water and that watershed than how larger scale precipitation changes. Um, is
6: that are impacting. water that we use
1: as humans also? Um, it, 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 it probably depends on where exactly you're looking. So the main, the main water sources for Salt Lake City are big little Parleys um, and City Creek. Um, and so snow that is being made up say at Alta or Snowbird or, or Brighton is running off back into the system that we use um, for both agriculture and drinking water if you live in Salt Lake. Um, and the same would be going for Park City. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: I definitely think some of it goes out of the system. That was like a hypothesis for the research. But you can use what water about, as a toast. What to about in relation
5: to that, about um, the idea of using gray water to start helping that system
3: because we have a lot of water, you know, we take showers and do the dishes or whatever, and that just goes out and then that mm-hmm. water, if it was collected, it could be used for that,
5: right?
4: Yeah, there are actually two ski areas in the U.S. today, um, one of them, uh, Power Resort solar Sprints out in Tahoe that use recycled water for snowmaking, making. Um, and they had to work with the local PUD to set up the system to make it work, but it is certainly a discussion among making that, you know, more common throughout the industry. But there's a lot of
5: water at the, say, the lodge doing the dishes, when that water could go somewhere and then to snow.
4: Right. Yeah. And if you go to a C conference, that's definitely one of the discussions out there about how to start pulling that in. Um, and the other thing i just add about snow making is that there's all sorts of new technology out there where there's low energy snow guns that use less water and less air. Um, and so that is something that is also pretty predominant throughout the ski industry too. As you are correct, we continue to make snow early on to get people out there skiing. There, what's the mixture with chemicals in that? Any of that? Does that have any on it? Um,
0: I think it's well, nitrogen. Yeah. I mean, is, is, it,
1: is it or is it silver
0: iodide? It might be silver iodide. Well, I think actually, it yeah.
1: might be silver yeah. iodide. That's the nucleation yeah. particle that they use, um, and. So uh,
0: yeah, to have a snowflake, you have to have a particle, right? For the yeah. snow crystal to grow on. To but,
1: grow on, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's a really great question, and I don't know honestly that many studies that have really focused on that that question. So I don't have a concrete answer. Maybe we need Griffin to come back to the U and study this. <laughs> You know, actually, they use silver iodide for not just snowmaking at resorts, but also for cloud seeding, which is sort of a still scientifically questionable uh, process. But actually, a a lot of Western states are using silver iodide. And I think that the science on that is that it's not in high enough concentrations to be harmful to us. Um, But but yeah, I don't know if you're closer to the ground with snowmaking. I'm not I don't really know the answer to that question.
0: I know from my old water job that if it's like fairly a uh, containment, you have to have a certain contaminant level
5: for it to be considered like a contaminant.
0: And for so our last question.
5: question. So this question might be from Mackenzie. Um, it was kind of hitting a topic that we were talking about before the QA. Um but climate change is something that's not best for our generation, but it's gonna continue for future generations. But it seems like there's a lack of knowledge or understanding of what climate change actually means. And I've been going to the University of Utah for 10 years as well and just took my first environmental ethics class. So I was wondering if there's any efforts um, involved with like the University of Utah or Utah as a whole education system to make uh, environmental classes or climate change classes required. Um, Because it seems like it's a human characteristic that um, if you don't see an immediate effect it doesn't, seem as important, so if this topic is involved in our education system from like an early period through college, um, I think it, it would be, I think the importance of it would become, you know, more understandable.
1: Yeah, uh, so I know currently it's not a part of the curriculum, uh, but this is another sort of systematic change that we could all impact um, is go to your, go to your local school boards and lawmakers and have it become part of the curriculum because I know that there are states, there are other states that are moving the other direction that a part of their curriculum, they're not allowed to talk about climate change. Um, And that's happening in states right now. Now, as the science is settled, they're still saying teachers aren't allowed to say the word climate change in the classes. So um, this is something that, especially if you have children, um, get involved and, see what the pathway is to getting that into the into the curriculum. Um, but at the, at the University of Utah or in the geography department, that's a part of every single one of our classes. Um, but if you're kind of coming into college and you don't have any of the background or you don't recognize the science behind it, then you're sort of starting from ground, ground yeah, zero I, at that I point.
5: Because it's relative to what you're studying
3: I think a take-home point would be like using your voice, city council, lawmakers, school, social media. It's like, it, I think that helps so much. Definitely. Pop in a Bill
1: night. <laughs> uh, I, I think one more thing is like, everyone, you, you, like, you shouldn't be afraid to tell your story. Like, Sage, yeah. you know, he, he wasn't afraid to say like, oh, maybe I didn't know what to do at first. Or I was kind of afraid to get involved and protect our winters because I wasn't perfect. But tell people why you care about climate change like I grew up in Alaska my backyard is changing beyond recognition and so it's like you know but, but that's another way to connect with people like Laura's thing just just have a conversation and say that you care and why yeah, yeah.
0: well unfortunately it's great but we got to wrap it up um, but thank you all for coming and joining in on our discussion I want to thank all you guys for coming and sitting in front of everyone yeah, yeah. thank you thank you uh,
6: we need
5: to